Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Breakthrough Academy. I'm Peter Lewis, pastor of Breakthrough Church here in Melbourne. And I'm Josh Doby, also a part of Breakthrough. Pastor Peter is my pastor, and it's such a privilege and an honor to be here each week. And uh, it's a lot of fun, as I say every week, but that's because I mean it. Um, I, I would I would not rather be anywhere else uh, than, than here doing this. Well, and I, I agree. I actually look forward to this. Yeah. This, is like, this is part of the, the fun part of the week. Yeah. Get to this dive is, into the Word of God. This is not just something that we do every week. Um, just out of the, routine. Routine. Like, there's, there's no. life in this, and it's fun. Yeah. And um, I, I'm looking forward. I, I believe that the um, truth that we're going to give you today is going to um, really help you. I think it'll be, I'm, I'm looking for it to be practical mm. help, maybe sharing and, and helping with things that you haven't been able to really get a grip on before. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. So why don't we dive in and I appreciate we, before we do that, um, we, we've, we've put a screen down here so we can r read the comments a little bit easier. And, and we've got some people like Claire watching us for the first time. I think, I think, well, I think that's the first time. Claire, Welcome. Point it, you know, Make, make us make us liars and say no. I've been watching three times. This is the first time I've commented. Yeah, and we've got Seth Bolger from um, America. Yes, California, America. California, and um, we had a, a comment last week from someone who said hi from Montana. Um, so I didn't recognise their name, but mm. from Montana. So it's really good that we've got it's, people from the United States joining yeah. us and being a part of it. That's good. And um, I trust our Australian accent is is enjoyable, but not difficult to follow. Well, sometimes I think we'll have to put on like good. Put it on a bit more. Good eye, mate. Like, yeah. Can can you say, Seth? Can you tell me is my accent uh, um, easy to understand, or do you find that I speak a little bit too quickly? That was the normal thing Americans found. I speak a bit too quickly. I, um, and to the Aussies watching, to Brooke, um, my daughter, Judith, um, even Jordan, but Jordan's watching online, but he's also here. Um, uh, what's my? Do do you find I talk too too quickly, um, or is it understandable? Well, Seth says it's easy, so that's, oh, that's good. For, if that's it's good, good. For the, if it's good for the Americans, it's good. Yeah, if it's good. So let, let's let's get let's get started, and because um, uh, you know, there's a lot I want to unpack and, and enjoy. Mm. And we've been talking about covenant. Our whole understanding is about God. God sets up covenants. He works within covenants because that gives us the confidence and assurance. It makes it legal. Mm. It makes it right. Yeah. He, he's all about doing things the right way, mm. not just doing things, not this sort of saying, oh, I'll just do this. He has a plan. He makes it appropriate. He makes it righteous. Mm. And um, so he, he works within his guidelines and his boundaries of covenant, and that gives us confidence. Mm. It also gives us a, a boundary to know how to, to yeah, act. I, 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 I just love that. Like when God himself you know, sets his own sort of boundaries or this is how this is how I do it, so this is how you do it. And so and when he sticks to that, we can have confidence that when we stick to that, when we do that, yeah. we will have the same result. And that's what he said. Yeah, it, it, it gives us just such boldness to go forward. Things, And we've been talking about things um, like our legismai uh, and to, to know exactly what God has done for us. Mm. We can then rely on that. We know all the things that he's processed. And last week, we started talking about something which um, I don't think many Christians would put in the category. If I said, make a list of things that God has done for you through the covenant. Just went to someone, this normal Christian, and said, well, list me 10 things that God has done for you through the covenant. Well, and I think they'd start off forgiveness, uh, maybe even restoration of relationship with God. Mm. And then they said, well, there's healing in the covenant. There's provision in the covenant. There's something, and, they, you know, the, 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 and if they're thinking through, you know, maybe... Um, 
the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit through covenant. You know, I think they'd start strong and get a little bit yeah. you know, unsure, um, but definitely the Holy Spirit is one of the key things through the, the covenant. Most people would do that list and they would not mention um, anything to do with their conscience mm. because I don't think that's on many people's radar either, number one, that um, how our conscience works and, and what repair it needs or yeah. anything like that. And secondly, that it's a critical and, and key area of the covenant. Mm. It's like they don't, they don't really know about their conscience. They know they've got one. Um, but most, I think if you like me, most Christians are like, we, we want to, I was wanting to sort of just totally ignore the conscience and I just go straight to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let yeah. the Spirit be my guide. That's right. Uh, you know, any voice that speaks to me, let it be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like if, 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 if I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> not that you've ever thought about that, but that'll just be okay as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the conscience, I, mean? I don't know where the conscience fits, but I'll just focus. I'll just get be totally in tune with the Holy Spirit and then I'll be all good. Mm. And, you know, the Holy and the, and the Spirit of God is, is um, you know, so much more reliable and mm. everything like that. Um, but then there's the scripture, and we shared with this last week, where Paul said, um, both, both the Spirit and my conscience bear witness. Mm, yeah, and it's like, oh, good. the Holy Spirit and my conscience. Well, hang on a sec. They're not the same thing? And no, they're not the same thing. Paul didn't see them as the same thing. Mm. He was very aware of his conscience. And then we began to look and discover that Paul spoke a lot about the conscience. And in fact, um, remember that, um, well, let's look at it in 1 Timothy Oops. Um, oops, I got the Bible. First Timothy chapter one. And um, Paul was urging Timothy to teach the um, teach those that were false teachers the truths about the word of God. And then he has this statement in verse five. But the aim of our instruction. So Paul says, this is what this is what we aim at. Mm. So this is a pretty big thing. Paul said, this is what our purpose is, is that is that we love. Uh, that our love, that we this is, but not just that we love, that it comes out, you know, it's not, you know, uh, you know, I like, you know, let's say something a bit controversial. Love is love, Josh. Um, <laughs> you know, love is love. No, love is not love. I want love that comes out of a particular way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. It's it, it's love that comes out, you know, the Bible talks about having the love of God in me, not just any love, yeah. but a particular love. So, okay, love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Paul said that if you get those three things working correctly, mm. that means that our act and, and working the Christian life, which mm. is a life of love, yeah. is working really well. Yeah. So we're, we're working really well when we're flowing in love out of the, the goodness of God, and it's like because my heart has been made pure, I'm walking with a sincere faith, mm. but then mixed right in the middle of those is, and I've got a good conscience. Yeah. Most Christians wouldn't even be concerned about their conscience. I, I feel like, um, as I said last week, that I've only heard this teaching from you. And before that, if I was to read this scripture, I just know that yeah. I, would, I would go, yep, pure heart. A sincere faith. And I'm like, oh yeah, like that, that's good. You know, I just know. <laughs> it's, I just... It's, it's there, but what is it? And um, but you'll find that Paul actually speaks quite a bit about conscience. Mm. Um, in the book of Hebrews, then it also talks um, very much that the work of the cross was dealing with our conscience and removing from us an evil conscience, which is an awareness and a speaking to ourselves of our sinfulness. So, um, and and sometimes when it's speaking about the conscience, 
um, it might not use the exact word conscience, but it's pretty clear that it is. Mm. And I'll show that and unpack that today. But many times Paul actually uses the word conscience, and we'll look at some of those actual scriptures there. The reason it's important is if we get this right, um, it, it has a couple of benefits. Our conscience is meant to be an ally to us. Mm. It's meant to help us walk and do the things that please God. Mm. It's meant That's to become good. an ally. That's but good. it can become an opponent yeah. if it's trapped and, and doing the wrong thing. It can become annoying um, and, and not this, oh, it's telling me I'm doing the wrong thing. Not that type of annoying. It, it can become something which is condemning to us and giving us a guilty conscience, mm. an evil conscience, yeah. just making us aware that we're, you know, we're still sinful creatures. And God has forgiven us, but it still makes us feel guilty. Mm. Um, so that first of all, that the conscience is to become an ally. It actually, yeah. I'll show you from the word of God how Paul wants it to, to work with the spirit, with the word, and it becomes helpful because what a lot of times we think, oh, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I do not believe many times when we're hearing something um, that we're hearing the spirit, we're actually hearing our conscience. Yeah. But we, we confuse every inner voice yeah. that speaks outside of our own mind and thinking as being either also either the devil, if it's bad, well, I rebuke that thought. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I and I recognise those thoughts. You know, like fear and and doubt and says, you know, and and I've had those thoughts, um, and I've recognised them. Hey, that's the that's the enemy just getting on top of my shoulder and just just speaking some condemnation. That's not me. That's um oh how um you know and often thoughts of fear and how's this going to happen? Mm. And I've just learnt to no, I'm not answering that. Um, you know, one of the, can I share something? That's um, good. This is something I've been learning to respond in this, and it's come from Pastor George Pearson's, but Kyra, um, my daughter-in-law, was sharing how, you know, this has really helped her. And, and, and as I was listening, I thought, I'm going to do that. And, um, and it's to laugh. And um, so not, not necessarily to speak back at it, but it's always, you know, Jesus used the word yeah. against the enemy. But um, one of the responses I have is just to laugh. So whenever something happens and the enemy's like, hey, I just start to laugh. And it's just, it's just good. Like disempowering that. of the enemy. And, but it's a laugh of faith. It's a laugh. Of, but it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, I think that's funny. It's, I, just, I just, on purpose, I start to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's going to stop? <laughs> and by the that's time good. I've stopped laughing, my faith is yeah. re-energized and, 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 and joy. It's hard not to be happy when yeah, you're laughing. That's so, that, that is so true. I just want to make note of something that you just said before, which yeah. I thought was cool. Um, where you just said, no, I will not respond to that. Now, I know we've just discussed we do respond yeah. to that, and that's now by laughing or yeah. that. But I'm it, not moved by yeah, it. Yeah, you're not, you don't actually, when those fears and those doubts come, when it's the voice from the enemy in this yeah. particular case, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right, I, I am. You know, you actually don't have to respond to that. Yeah. And it's like, you, but you do, but you choose. Exactly. And, I, I choose to ignore it and, yeah. and, 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 it's not the response of giving it attention. Just because I, I did, a, I did a teaching years ago. This is one of the first teachings I did on um, this sort of thing. Very, I was a young man, Josh, and um, and my, my, and I can still remember the, the title was "You Don't Have to Answer That." Mm. And it's like in a boardroom meeting mm. when you know um, every just in a boardroom there's an agenda, and uh, I'm on a, I'm on a, a board, there's a couple boards, and and I've discovered you can't just discuss anything in a board. Mm. There's, there's an agenda. And if it's yeah. not on the agenda, it, it, yeah. you there's, can't bring there's it in. An order. You have to ask for it to be added to the agenda. And then they, they say, yes, we'll add that. You know, you might say, I've got some documentation. I've got a letter here. Um, can I can I present that? And they might say, no, you've got to, that's got to go through a process before it comes to the, the board table. And so you just can't present something. But the, what I found I was doing 
I was like, I had my agenda, and the devil would bring something, and I'd just grab it, and we'd just make that the next agenda item. We'll just put my thing aside here. Yeah. And... Uh, the devil has told us to think about this. Oh, we must think about this. Yeah. And I, it was the discovery that you don't have to think about that. That's good. And I was like, oh, how cool is that? That I don't, I can take control and and say I, that's not my. I don't have to worry about that. I, I'm, and um, one key, in fact. I'll, you know, with sideline, but is this, I'm hoping this is really it's helping someone. No, I'm hoping this is really helping someone. Um, okay, so we had to sell a car. We are buying a new car and had to sell a car, but I discovered, because I wasn't across car markets and everything, that the car market at that time was in a huge slump. This mm. is many years ago. And selling a second-hand car that which should have got, you know, thousands of dollars, um, if you went to a dealer, they'd be just like likely give you hundreds of dollars. They were just, it was just terrible. They yeah. couldn't sell their car, so they didn't want to buy a car. And so, okay, well, the only way to sell a car was to sell it privately in a very flat market. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I really, you know, we, we, we'd planned on being able to sell it and get at least this sort of amount of money, which was a reasonable thing in a reasonable time, didn't realize the market was poor. So we put, you know, we're putting an ad in to, you know, to the paper at the time, back the other days when it was a newspaper, and I put an ad into this particular paper the Trading Post. I don't know whether you remember the Trading Post. Trading Post. That's where everybody put their ads. It might be before my time. Yeah, I think it was I know before. About it. Before um, was it? You know, before. What, what's the current one on Facebook? Um, the Facebook Marketplace. Fa yeah, it was. It was the Facebook Marketplace of the day, and um, so we put. I put it in there, but, and I can still remember. I was at the back, and um, I was hanging clothes on the line. So I was a very good husband. I was hanging clothes on the line, and I had this thought: How are you going to find a buyer for this car? How are you gonna mm. how are you gonna sell this car? You know, and I was like, oh, oh yeah. And it was just like a weight. It was yeah. like a, and out of my spirit, God says, You don't have to answer that. That's good. I like that. And I'm like, Pardon? <laughs> he says, You don't have to answer that. And I'm like, What do you mean? He says, Your job is to trust me. My job is to find the buyer. Mm. I like that. Tell the devil that he wants to know how to where the buyer's coming from to talk to God. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, so if you're so concerned about where am I going to find a buyer, <laughs> God says, ask him. I appreciate your concern. Yeah, I appreciate you. Go, go ask so God. Because I always find he doesn't he's not really concerned. <laughs> you know what I mean? All he's trying to do is condemn me, but he comes across as concerned. Oh, yeah. Josh, oh, Josh, I feel so bad for you. And, you know, what are people going to say? What, you know, what are you going to do if this doesn't turn up? How are you going to respond? What are you going to do if this doesn't happen according to what you're praying? You know, the devil's like this really concerned big brother friend. I'm just got your... And I'm like, and it was like, oh, tell him that. I say, that's, I don't have to answer that. That's not my, you, you speak to God about that. That's his business. Yeah. And God says, now, you don't need a lot of buyers. You only need one. Mm, that's he, good. Said, he said, You're not, you, know, you don't need 100 buyers. Mm. Um, you know, if you're selling a house in the auction, you need two for you know, a bigger bid. But with this, you just need one. You just need one person. So I just said, ask God, and I just began to thank God for his provision. And you know how many people respond to that ad? Like we, we, we put that out. Um, how many people? One. I had one response, mm. and they bought the car. I had put $500 on top as a bit of bargaining power yep. down to what I really would have been happy with. Mm. I started $500 higher. They, they said straight away they went for the higher price. They, gave me, they didn't even bargain. They gave me – it was – that's I got five hundred dollars above my That's top God. price with one person yeah. showing interest. Praise God! And I say, well, praise God! And I was like, but the devil is gone. He's not. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to hear about that. What's he saying now? Yeah. 
So, and then he says, oh, but how are you going to do this? Like he, he always just shifts the goalposts. He's like mm. that. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say, yes, you were right. He says, yeah, but, you know, this, ah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. you know, now that, you know. Just, just a side note. I think, I think it might be time to bring that message into today. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you ever wonder, if you ever watch, I preach on that. Yeah. The, yeah. That, it, it's, uh, it's, um, it was on cassette. That's mm. how long ago it was. All right. Um, but so, um, but the the prob the thing is, we've got all these voices happening inside. Mm, yeah. Okay. And God wants your conscience to become an ally to help you through this process, mm. not one of the multiple voices, and certainly not one of the voices that is causing you angst mm. and causing you problems. Now you say, "Oh, yeah, but my conscience." Some people, my conscience must cause me problems because that's what it's there for. Do you know what I mean? I want my conscience to tell me I'm doing the wrong thing. Because if, if I stop hearing my conscience, I'm in a worse spot. That's mm, true. Yeah. But you've got to train it appropriately, yeah. not just to... Um, and we'll talk about that in detail here, how to do this. Um, but if we can look at uh, Romans 14.22. Um, there's a passage here that doesn't mention the word conscience. Um doesn't mention, funnily enough, doesn't mention the word conscience, but it, it's, um, but it's talking about the concepts of conscience. Mm. Even though Paul hasn't used the word, he's, he's using this in his, in, in his way of thinking. It says, Romans 14, 22, the faith you have, keep to yourself before God. Blessed is the one, or happy is the one, blessed is the one who does not judge himself by what he approves. Um, and, and let me just, um, let's just do this in the New, um, the New American translation. Happy is he who does not condemn himself. Um, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Um, there's a sense, if you can get this right and and not be condemning yourself with mm. the wrong things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you can get this mixed, you're right. You're a blessed man. Mm. If you can get your conscience working right and in the right place, telling you the right things, you're a happy man. Yeah. You're a happy man. That's good. Um, um, because <laughs> sometimes you would do something, but then you condemn yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you're doing the right, you do something, but then you feel condemnation for it. Mm. I say, oh, I should do this, and then I feel condemned. But happy if you're not under condemnation. Now, some people say, oh, I, please, again, I've, and I've just said this before, please don't tell my conscience not to condemn me because the conscience is like, I want it sharp. Yeah. I want it focused. And um, I want it, and to them, I actually want it condemning them because it keeps me on the straight yeah. and narrow. You know what I mean? I want, I, I, that, that condemnation that I'm not, I'm not living quite up to what God wants. I'm not loving him enough. I'm not, to, uh, yeah, I'm not reading the word enough. To push you along. Yeah. It's my, it's, 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 I don't want a happy personal trainer. Mm. That's what basically, yeah. it's like, I don't, want, I don't want a personal trainer that's encouraging me, saying, you're doing a great job. Well yeah. done. No, no, I want him to say, come on, you lazy so-and-so. You know, get up out of bed and you can do another yeah. 30 push-ups before we start. And, you know, and then just when I've done, like, you can do one more. You know, and it's like, yeah, that's, that, that's what some people, they, they sort of want their conscience to be that, that, that aggro coach yeah. who's just pushing, pushing, pushing. Because they say that it's pushing me into, to, to, to do better. But to, to be honest, 
it's not a happy way to live just to have a constant stream yeah. of your your in your inner coach saying, Come on, come yeah. on, come on. And you're just like, what do you think you're gonna do watching TV? There's a lost world out there. Ah, you know, <laughs> I better get it. <laughs> You know, I've read 12 chapters of the Bible. You weakling, you read 15 yesterday. <laughs> ah, I'm going to read more Bible. You know? And then they read 15. It's like, and you should read two Six, more. To yeah, get, come on, come should, on, come on. Yeah, push that out. Come on. get uh, you know. And, and, and have you ever been in that where your conscience is like a, a, a personal coach and he's grumpy? But he said, I want to, but some people, I want, leave him alone. Mm. I want a grumpy coach mm. because he's pushing me better. He's pushing me to go higher. Is, is, and if I have, and I think the opposite to a a, um, a grumpy personal coach is a, a lazy personal coach who doesn't tell you anything mm. and just lets you get off. You know, like ah, oh, you know, and I, um, you know, it's like, you know, people, you know, your personal coach is, is is you know calls in sick for today. Yeah, and you're like, I'm eating a cream puff, and no one's here to stop me. <laughs> I'm having a cream puff. Oh, hey, personal coach, I'm putting my feet up and watching a TV show. <laughs> you know, you know, that type of, yeah. hey, because you sort of, you know, but some people are like, if my conscience went away, that's what I'd be like. Mm. I just do what I, what a terrible picture of ourselves. What a, like, if, if you're not, if you're not pushing out, you're being pushed back. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I understand we've got to, you know, watch the flesh and, mm. and all the rest. But, and that's why I want my conscience to become my ally. He's there to help me, okay? Yeah. It's like he's literally your personal coach mm. and he's not there to talk about things that are not, um, okay, like a personal coach is there about making sure you're fit, all right? And he's really not there to give advice on other things, mm. you know? Oh, should I, should I, you know, what should I do on my tax return? I don't care. You know, like a personal coach, I don't care. But what you eat for breakfast, I care about. How much sleep you get, mm. I care about. How yeah. much water you're drinking, I care about. Mm, that's good. But you know what I mean? Um, should I dye my hair blonde or not? Knock yourself out. I don't care. <laughs> you know. Why, why would you say that? Yeah, I just, just, just an example that came in my head. Um, it's, um, um, it, it's. So I was just looking at some of the comments there. <laughs> some good comments and, and encouragement from Brooke. Brooke's an encourager. She'd be a good personal coach. And from Seth here, you have great teaching. I, oh. I would agree with that. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate all that way from America and encouragement. And good morning to Peggy and Judith. I think I said hi before. This is great people joining us. Anyway, I got distracted by a comment. Um, so uh, the personal train is focused on one thing. Mm. Our conscience is focused on our moral choices and things that affect us morally. All right? So that's it. it, it he's speaking that. And we say, okay, we want you to be a, a grumpy thing, so you push me higher. No, you do not want to be that. Um, and because I've discovered... Many mature Christians have grumpy um, personal coach con mm. consciences. Their, their conscience is is tough, and like and, and then they're like, and I've got to, have, and um, then and they hear this teaching, and they're like, "Are you saying I shouldn't have a personal coach that wants me to do better?" So I was like, "What other type of personal coach is there?" <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, are you saying sack the personal coach or bring in some lazy slob who's like, you know, mm. yeah, let's all eat and hot dogs and and you know for, and 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 drink milkshakes for breakfast, you know, not, not health shakes, actually just milkshakes. But Jay heard that right now. And he's yeah. Like, oh, oh. Amen to yeah, that, brother. I agree. Um, so let, I, I want us to look at what a healthy conscience is because remember Paul didn't say love comes from a heart, a conscience, and a faith. He said it's how you describe it. Yeah. It's a pure heart mm. and it's a sincere faith 
but it's a good conscience. In other words, a conscience functioning and flowing properly. Yeah. That's what makes it work. Okay. So we all have a personal coach. Okay. Let's just say that we've, everyone's got a personal coach called a conscience. It's what type of coach you have that is really helpful to you. Now, here's the key. You can make changes to your personal coach. All right. Now you can't, you say, oh, I'm going to sack him. <laughs> I'm going to. No, no, but you can you can actually you can actually train mm. your personal coach. Yep. You get to you get to make some decisions about he is actually under your authority and you get to choose. All right. Even mm. though he's your personal coach, yeah. you, you know, like he said, come on, you lazy slob, um, get up and do another 20 push-ups. But he's actually under my I can sack him. Mm. He's actually my he's actually my employee, but he's being harsh on me. And he's acting like he's my boss. He's acting like he's in charge. But he's actually my employee. I'm employing him to be hard on me. Mm. All right? And so, you know, you say you're saying that personal coach is standing on, well, hey, if I stop paying you, you'll stop doing this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm your boss. But he's not treating So your conscience is actually, you're in charge. But some people, the, the personal, your conscience has got out of control and you don't know what to do with it because you think that's, that's just how he is. Mm. All right? So let's train our conscience. Okay? Let, let's. Shows how to. So I'm going to show you. Um, first of all, I'm going to let's start with a time where God told someone to change their conscience. I want to show you how this works. All right. And God says, "I want you to retrain your conscience." You got to tell your, you know, oh, you can't have that shake. That's a milkshake. That'll destroy you. That's terrible. Hey, 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 hey. That's actually a protein shake. Mm. It looks like a milkshake, but this is actually healthy and yeah. it's good for me. And the coach says, "No, it's a milkshake." I can see. No, no. I'm going to explain. So what you've got to do is you've got to take a personal coach and stop, do a little slide presentation and say, this is a protein shake. This is the difference between a milkshake and protein shake. Protein is this. It will help my muscles here. It'll develop. Mm, yeah. So now my, my personal coach says, why aren't you drinking your protein shake? He switched. You know, he's like, come on, you need to have your protein shake. Whereas before he's saying, stop having that protein shake. But I've trained him and told him that, no, no, yeah. This is this is actually healthy. Mm. This is not wrong. Okay. So let's look at the book of Acts. And um, you need to be able to do this to your coach, your personal conscience coach, because um, it's actually normal for you to do this. Mm. All right. Yeah. Now, and, I, and there's a wrong way to do it. The wrong way is when you're watching TV and you've got feet up and it says, you should be exercising. You say, shut up. That's not a good way to train your coach. No, not Because at all. if you say, I, I'm not getting up, I'm not going to do any training, I'm not going to do any exercise, he gets confused. He says, mm. I, thought, I, I thought my job yeah. was to help you train. And he says, yeah, but I'm just tired. I'm taking a day off. Well, this guy doesn't want to train. Yeah. So we're not going to train. So next day he comes and says, come on, get up. Do it. And, and, and after a week, the train, personal coach says, oh, I'm not telling him to, to get up. I might as well watch the TV with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, because you've trained him to t by saying, oh, don't tell me about it. Don't talk to me about this. Mm. So that's not the health. So that's why we say people get concerned. They get fearful. They get fearful that if I train my coach, no, no, my coach has got to, um, mm. no, no, it's how you train your yeah. coach and the authority you have. That, that final authority yeah. that we, we said last week. Yeah. You don't say, oh, you know this milkshake? I actually really like milkshakes. They make me feel good. <laughs> got a lot of nice flavor to it got ice cream in it it's mm. really creamy that's all the wrong reasons to train do you know what i mean yeah okay so there's there's a way to do it and there's a proper appropriate way so you can train him inappropriately so let's have a look at paul uh so not paul peter 
Um, this story starts with the whole purpose of the book of Acts. Okay, funnily enough, I thought Acts was the, the next step in Jesus leaving the earth and just the history of the early church. Mm. Okay, put up your hand if you thought Acts is the history of the early church. Yeah, it's the history of the early church, but with a particular subtitle that says, I'm focusing on a particular part of the history of the early church. Mm. And the particular part is the, the change from a Jew-centered church yeah. to a Gentile yeah. church, okay, with Jews, but with now a Gentile. And it's the transition. It's like I'm, it's documenting the transfer from focused on the, you know, Jerusalem and the Jews now we're transferring to where the Gentiles. So it's all that. If you read the book of Acts, all the illustrations, all the stories, all the, um, the missionary journeys are all talking about this, the progress of that thing. Mm. And there's a key moment in the very middle of it when you have Peter, who later on Paul referred to him as the gospel, uh, sorry, as the apostle to the Jews. He was appointed to minister to the Jewish Christians. That was his calling. There was no problem with it. And we sometimes think of Peter as the very rough fisherman you know, the, you know, the blokey bloke, you know, he, he wouldn't get on well with a Pharisee. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. But actually there was a side to Peter. You've got to realize Peter was a devout Jew. Mm. He might have been pretty rough. He might have been rough around the edges, you know, and, and without, you know, Peter, I, love, I think there's a verse, that Peter, not, Peter, not knowing what to say, said. That's, you know, that's, 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 that's Peter, you know. I can't mock him. <laughs> you know, Peter, Peter, Peter says, you know, one minute, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but Father in heaven. And next minute, get thee behind me, Satan, being rebuked, Peter. You know, Peter denying he even knows Jesus. You know, he's all over the place. You know yeah. what I mean? He's, he's, he's rough and tumble, in, you know. But so we sort of have this, this, this guy who's pretty rough. But there's one part of Peter you've got to recognize is that he actually was a very devout Jew. He really believed in the Jewish customs. Mm. He held fast to the Jewish customs. And the thought of him going and eating with a Gentile was like no no no, yeah. and you say oh no. After he got saved, that was it, that would have been no. No, we don't do that. Yeah, no. even full saved, walking with Jesus for three years, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, leading the early church. He still was on the impression that to a Jew, as a Jew, to to go and be with a Gentile was totally wrong. Mm. That was because what had trained him up to that. Um. It had been trained by the law, yep, and he had been trained by the, the traditions and the customs of his Jewish people. Mm. So he had the law, which was like of God. You know, the law is healthy if it's used right, and he had the traditions of his people. Both of those had fed in, and um, last week we had this amazing diagram here. All right, go back to that last week where we start, we build to this. So there's your conscience speaking to you. And we have um, authorities speaking into our conscience. Peter's conscience had been trained by the law and by his traditions. The culture of his, of his, mm, his day yeah. right, had trained him. So even though things have changed, this is no longer a milkshake. It's now, it's got, it looks like it's now different. His conscience is still speaking mm, according to the yeah, old way. That's good. All right. So if Peter thought about going to a Gentile house, or if he went to a Gentile house, his conscience would be doing back in a double. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Here? What are we? Get out of here! Get out of here! You're, 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 
Now, this is not just the guilt of sinning. He actually, you know, in the sense of you shouldn't be eating this food or you shouldn't be watching this. You know, he was actually God. He was like, I'm, I'm doing something that really upsets God. Mm. I'm really, I'm doing something that yeah. upsets God. A lot of people think, oh, you're trying to train my conscience so when I do bad things, I'm not upset anymore. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about you actually can free to do the things that God gives you freedom for, yeah. but your conscience is still condemning you. So, it gives, so he's got this. Argh! So, God says, "All right, I need to get the gospel to the Gentiles." Up until now, even even on the day of Pentecost and the book, you know, and the Holy Spirit comes, it's Jews from all over. Yeah. Are getting saved. Mm. They're all Jews, and then you've got some, um, some, some, um, some fights and things about um, Greek-speaking Jews and things like that. You know, it's getting a little bit on the edge. And then in chapter nine, um, sorry, in chapter ten, verse one. So let's go there. Acts ten one, key moment. Initiated. This is not. This is not the disciples praying, saying, God, how can we take this out further? How can we go to it? And, and God's already, he's already been given the, the clue. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will have power to be my witnesses mm. in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes. And they go, yes, Lord, in Jerusalem. The Great Commission in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, yeah. Matthew 28, go and you know, make disciples of all nations. Yes, Lord, in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Uh, so you got it. You got it how they you got exactly how they interpreted it. In fact, this is my understanding. They thought that the whole New Testament covenant thing was so it empower them to be amazing Jews. Mm. They're just going to be the most, you know, that they they struggled to live by the law. Now they can be on the law in, on steroids. They're going to do super it right. Jews. Super Jews. Exactly. We're going to be now super Jews. They sort of lost sight of what God how God and that's so God's like, okay, I'm going to um, break this. This is really a key moment. This is not instigated by the disciples, the apostles. It's not by the um, – a few times things have happened where they've been pushed into this. You know, like, you know, Philip, um, the Samaritans, which is sort of – they're sort of half Jews. Or a little, mm. It's a bit iffy. The Jews, and and one, of the, one of the evangelists goes there. They're having a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. But there's no no baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's no there are no tongues or anything. Mm. And so the apostle said, "This is a bit weird up there. Let's send Peter up to sort of try and see what's happening." So they go to the Samaritans, and they start praying for them. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's like, "See, I'm poor." They didn't go up there willingly. They went up there because there's something not right, and yeah. they're forced to go up there. Then Philip's taken and says, "Go out in the desert." I don't know why I'm going to desert. He meets an Ethiopian eunuch, gets him saved, and 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 filled, you know, and baptized. Yeah. And it's like, these are not things that they initiated. It's God pushing them into mm. these places. And um, so then we've got big step, chapter 10. And even, and even then Saul begins to persecute them. And they get pushed out by persecution. And it says, as they were going, they're just telling people about Jesus. But they didn't go because they said, I'm motivated to go. They were gone, gone because I'm being persecuted. Yeah. And as they went out, they started to... To do this. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, Now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion. So he's not a Jew. He's a, a Roman. A Roman of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was all his household. He did many acts of charity for the people and prayed to God regularly. So he's a, he's a God-fearing, Yahweh-fearing man, mm. but he's not a Jew. And about three o'clock one afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, 
And he said, what is it, Lord? I'm just skipping through a little bit. He says, you, you, you've been heard by God. He said, now I want you to send some men to Joppa. I want you to bring a man who's named Simon, who's called Peter, and um, I want you to get him. Why? Why couldn't the angel have told him? You know why? And why Peter? Again, the apostle to the Jews is being brought into a Roman centurion's house mm. to get this deal done. You know what I mean? Yeah. God's making a statement here. He's bringing the biggest Jew that he can of the church, yeah. you know, you know, and he's going to connect him with a, a Roman centurion, pushing him, pushing him. But what's the problem? If Paul steps in his house, his conscience is going to not allow him to do that. All, all the red lights are flashing. Beep, beep, beep. Can't, shouldn't be here. Shouldn't be here. Shouldn't be here. So, um, so, so the angel goes. Cornelius sends two of his men and sends them to Joppa. Now, the next day just happens that Peter, while, while they're come on their way to the city, Peter just goes up the roof to pray because he's hungry. He's waiting for some food to be made. So um, about noon, he's hungry. Anyone here relate? Okay, I've got some young men here. Though. Yeah, I get, I get what you mean. Would Seth relate to that? Is he, is he, is he good at he, He's very good at baking. Very good at he baking. Would, he would go and bake cookies. So, so he's, he has this vision. He, he, a trance comes over him. He sees heaven open up, an object, something like a large sheet descending, being let down to earth by its four corners. And in it are all kinds of four-foot animals, reptiles, the earth, and wild birds. They are, these are non, these are foods you should not mm. eat. These are foods you should not yeah. eat. According to this, he looks at them and like, no, 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 no. That is not what we do. It's not what we do. Oh, there we go. Switching around. Um, then a voice said, get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. And Peter said, certainly not, Lord. <laughs> certainly not, Lord. I think you just said something incorrect. Yeah, Lord. Lord. You did, no, 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 no. I've never eaten anything undefiled or richly unclean. I've never, this is, no, 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 Lord, I will, we will not have this, Lord. The voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has made clean, you must not consider richly unclean. What God has said is okay, mm -hmm. you must not yeah. have a conscience that says this is wrong. That's good. All right. What God has said is okay, you are not to say he's not okay. That's amazing. I've, I've never made that connection yeah. with the conscience. Yeah, because that's what, you know, that's what, because his conscience wouldn't allow him to go. And so Peter's like, hmm. This happened three times, <laughs> as if it's like, <laughs> going to do it again, yeah. going to do it again. What this tells me, oh, now I've gone back to settings. Um, let me just go that way. Um, this, this process takes some, mm. takes some work. It's not, it's not instant. Yeah, it's not instant. Now, what you've got to do is it's a battle between authorities. Yeah. All right, not a battle for how you feel. Mm. All right, it cannot be. I don't like feeling guilty, therefore I will shut it up. Yeah. I don't like the way you talk to me, so shut up, Mister Personal Trainer. You know, I don't like the pressure you put on me, so shut up. That's you cannot do it. It's it's got to go out. That's not how you train your conscience. If your conscience is being trained by how it makes you feel, you're in in dangerous waters. Mm. But what you must do is say, I don't think you are giving me the correct training and and speak to me correct 
because I have another authority, mm. which is the authority that I live by. And you are a tradition. You are the law. And you have been, you have shaped me. But I said, conscience, I want you to hear what God says. Yeah. Three times he said, if he says something is clean, yeah. it is clean. The final if, authority. Final authority. If he says it, it's the final authority. And if he says it's clean. And God's what's great. If I say it's clean, it is clean. Mm. So let's look what happens. So... Um, so there's three times. Peter's puzzling over what this vision has, he had seen could signify. What in the world does this mean? The men sent by Cornelius had learned where Simon's house was, so, and they approached the gate. God's just pulling all these pieces together. He's just had this amazing... What in the world? Why? What am, I mean, am I going to get food now that's like unkosher? You know, what am I going to get? What's going to happen? And they called out to ask Simon if, known, if Simon, known as Peter, was staying there as a guest. And while Peter was still thinking seriously about the vision, the Holy Spirit said, look, Three men are looking for you, but get up, go down, and accompany them without hesitation. Don't let your conscience stop you going because I've sent them. Mm, he wouldn't good. have gone with them because they were taking him to a, a Gentile's house. Yeah. His, his conscience would have said, no, I'm not. I'm not. It would have squashed that down. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And he says, go, but I like this, without hesitation. Mm. In other words, Peter, I want you to get over this. Yeah. Peter, I don't want you to go this. And so he says, okay. So, um, so they tell him and he says, explains the situation. So he said, come on, let's eat. Next day they get up and they head down to Joppa. And the following day, he ended, Cornelius was waiting anxiously for them. He's got all his family and friends there. Listen to Peter. He's still struggling. Listen to When Peter came in, Cornelius met him, fell off his feet and worshipped him. But Peter said, oh, stand up. I too am a mere mortal. Now, okay. Peter's conscience was bothered by someone worshipping him. Mm. If Peter said, yeah, I'm getting used to squashing this conscience thing. Maybe I, you know, I'll let you worship me as well. If, I'm, if I no longer hear my conscience, because you know, the personal trainer says, personal trainer was, don't go into a Gentile house. Yeah. Don't let someone think that you're better than you are. Don't let someone th treat you and take what God says. And if I'm like, you're just annoying. Go away. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, in fact, I'm going to put a muzzle on you. I'm going to put some duct tape on you. Just sit there. Just shut up. I still got to have a personal. Everyone's got to have a personal trainer, mm. but I've muzzled you. Mm. So now I can go to the house of a Gentile because I can do what I want. No one's going to tell me what not to do because I'm free in Jesus. And this guy starts to worship me. This feels pretty good. Bring it on, buddy. Bask in my greatness. Because <laughs> he, and, and the, mm, 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 his conscience doesn't mm. bother him anymore. Yeah. That's called a seared conscience. I have seared you through my resistance. Mm. All right. And um, so, is like Paul, but because it's been done the right way, because he's training the conscience the right way, he hasn't muzzled his yeah. conscience. He's saying, conscience. That's good. Yeah. I want, I want, I'm retraining you. I'm giving you a new set of instructions. This is, the, this is what I want. Mm. This is our new goal. All yeah. right. This is what we're aiming at. I want you to train me to this. And um, so Peter continued to talk with him as he went in and found many people gathered together. And, and listen, he says, you know what? It's unlawful for a Jew to associate with you or visit a Gentile. My conscience says I shouldn't be here. <laughs> but God has shown me that I should call no person defiled or rich me unclean. Peter's like, I am changing the way mm. i talk i am changing the way i behave yeah i'm not letting my conscience 
bother me about. He said, yeah. Therefore, when you sent for me, I came without any objection. He said, things have changed. I, I, didn't come, I didn't say, oh, I don't feel right about this. I came because God told me mm. this, is, this is what I should do. And so, and then um, Peter starts speaking about, eventually, after Cornelius tells about the angel, Peter starts to preach. Um, he says, Peter started speaking, I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people. He's had a revelation. Mm. He's got a revelation. Yeah. That revelation trained his conscience. So that? Yeah, He's like, I see that. Yeah. Hey, conscience, we've got a revelation. We see this. I can do this now. I, don't, I can come into a Gentile house and feel good because mm. that is what the ultimate authority says. And so he then begins to speak about Jesus. And in that, you get this amazing verse, Jesus of Nazareth, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, power, he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Great description of what Jesus did. And he said, we saw all this. And I, I sort of feel like God's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, enough. Um, God raised him on the third day, command us to preach. Um, and I'm preaching, preaching, I'm doing a really good sermon. And while Peter was still speaking these things, these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the message. He said, enough. That's all I need. I just needed you to get to this point. And they, all, and they heard, hear them speaking in tongues, and they're like, ah! Oh! Because, look at what it says, they were greatly astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, mm. even the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter was like, I thought I could preach to you. I didn't know you could get the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Didn't know it was going that far. They're, they're now a part of this too. Yeah, because he said we hear them praising, speaking in tongues, and he said, "Well, we, we, we. I guess we can't stop them being baptized. Mm. <laughs> Why would he want to withhold what he said? No, no. He said they've they've got the Holy Spirit. God's obviously in this, mm. and um, so that story became a key story. When he went back, the, the the apostles were just what happened, and it's actually related multiple times. This one story because it was a key moment. But I want you to see how he, he God was training his yeah. conscience, making him aware of what, and that's how it works. That's that's how the training happens. Okay, that um, you've got to say I, I've got to allow my the my ultimate authority, which is the Word of God mm. and the Spirit of God. Yeah. That's why you've got to learn to you've got to discern the difference between the Spirit speaking, your conscience speaking. The just temptation speaking, you know, in one sense, your flesh desires speaking and mm. wanting. Oh, I really want that. Oh, yeah, I think God wants me to have that. I don't think God wants you to have that. I think you want to have that. Do you know what I mean? And you, know, you get a bit confused about what's God and, and you. I've never, and I've never been there in my life. Yeah. So, Josh, there's people out there like that. It's it's pretty yeah. sad. Um, but you know, you, you can minister to them and lift them to your level of greatness. Um, and um, but that's that's how it works. Mm. Okay, you've got. Um, let me see if I can find. Let's let's look at it being done wrong. Yep. Okay. First, uh, First Corinthians eight. Okay. Let, let's let's. Um, First Corinthians eight. This is Paul saying, don't do it this way. 
He said, now, you know, a lot of, lot of the, um, the Corinthian letter was a, was a response to questions that they were asking. Mm. They'd sent a letter to Paul saying, hey, what do we do about all these issues? We don't know what to do. He said, with regard to food sacrifice to idols, okay, he said, I want to talk to you about a, a contentious issue, and it's the fact that when, when meat was prepared, this is my understanding, when meat was prepared, like, you know, they'd, they'd you know, kill, a, kill an animal, and as they were cutting it up for the butcher, they would offer it to an idol, and then the food would come. So it was like a sacrifice, yeah. but then we we're eating the sacrificial food. Yeah. Some Christians felt, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with food that's been offered in idolatry. Mm. Not a bad sort of, you know, I, I, I get that. Yeah. That's, that's a, this, is, this, is not, this is not an issue of, I really want to do sinful things. It was like, I'm yeah. trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to live a life that pleases God. And I really feel that, that but what's training me in this? What's, what's, you know, what, what's causing this? Um, and Paul says, first of all, before we start anything, I, I want to talk to you about knowledge. Um, the way you handle this and the way you do this can either, you know, can come out of a, a proud sort of heart, and mm. in that case, it'll it'll ruin you. Yeah, you know, you it, you you've got to do this the right way. Um, um, he says, I want, I just want to tell you something. You know, idols are nothing, don't you? I just want to make <laughs> an idol isn't real. But another part he was talking about, but there are demonic forces behind idols. Mm. But the idol itself is not real. Yep. But in and I think it's um. Uh, well, listen, oh, rather than just 10 that you all know, um, 1 Corinthians 10, 20, because sometimes some people might not, what, what do you mean demons are behind sacrifice? I mean that what the pagans sacrifice to is to demons, not to God. So Paul says, I understand that even though they're giving a, a sacrifice to an idol, it's it's ultimately to the devil, mm. right? So, yeah. be, so behind behind an idol is demonic powers. So some people say, ah, so I can have a little Buddha statue in my in my bedroom and it's it's okay. I can pop, you know, demonic sort of grotesque, you know, like statuettes in my garden. That's just funny. Well, you know, is this a conscience issue? Well, you know, because they say idols are nothing. Yeah, well, yeah, but behind idols, there is something. You know mm. what I mean? Um, so I'm not sure. See, Paul wasn't trying to find a way for you just to to do dumb stuff. Okay, what he was saying is, I just want, I want, let's just start with some basic understanding. You do understand that an idol is nothing, all right? First of all, even, um, even, even taking the concept that there's demonic powers behind it, that power's been broken, it's been brought to naught. Even the demonic power's been brought mm, to nothing. Yeah. But an idol itself is, is not real. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's those things. Um, you know, there, there's lots of, lots of so-called gods out there. But for there's only one true God. Mm. There's only one God. Um, now it says, but this knowledge is not shared by all. This understanding, he said, not everyone's got this understanding. And some by being accustomed to idols. Now that word accustomed, um, <laughs> if, if, um, well, let's just show this. Some, some being accustomed um, I'll, just, I'll actually bring up the Greek word. Sorry, I've just got to go down where I can get a Greek number for it. Yeah, that'll do. So the Greek word is synethia. Um, do you remember the Greek word for um, conscience? It's, it's not that word, it's close. 
is Sunidasis. Sunidasis, to know together. That's the first part. Yeah, sun, sun together, edasis, sun, edasis, to know together. That's the Greek word for conscience. Mm. The same, our English word, con, with, together, no. So you can go back to last week's teaching where we took this, took time to this. Um, so this is similar. Sunethia, it's together, which is common, but it's from ethos, a common way of uh, ethics, a common, a common um, custom. Mm. It's yep. a common practice. It's, it's, he said, they, they're, um, they're accustomed to idols. There's a common ethos regarding idols, mm. which has worked into their life. Yeah. So that means that to them, their customs regarding what idols are and who idols are has worked in as an authority that has spoken yeah. to them. Right. All right. So th this this concept and understanding of idols had created a sense where their conscience was bothered mm. by doing anything that was associated with them, because mm. they they're bothered by who idols were. They don't want to be anything to do with idols. Because there's a point where Paul's like, "Well, you're a bit sort of you're giving them a place that's not a bit high. They're, they're yeah. actually nothing. Yeah. There's lots of gods in this world, but there's only one god, mm. and that's idols, not it. Yeah. And you and by being a little bit concerned about it, you you're sort of giving it a a place that's not right, but but your your custom has built this into you, um, and uh, and funnily enough, because that, that word is very close, and mm. I, I really I had to show you, sunethos yep. and sunetesis are close. Um, when they were copying the Greek translation, you know, the Greek Bible, there was one time when they changed the word and changed it to conscience. Okay. And a whole stream of Bible uh, manuscripts actually used the word um, sunetesis, mm. not sunethos, but sunetesis. And that's why in the King James, which used that changed um, transverse, because when the King James people translated the Bible, they had a much smaller number of Greek manuscripts to mm. work from. Yeah. We have a much broader range, okay, and we can sort of work out what happened. And the, so the they were using a, a, a different Greek um, text that was called the Textus Receptus. That was the name given to it. And in that, if you look at King James, it says, for some with conscience of the idol. And that's because I actually switched in the word to um, synetesis. Mm, so even good. though that would work better for my sermon, in one sense, it's not the word that's there. Yeah. I, I think I think that is, it's more accurate, synethos. But it still works. It still gives us an understanding. Um, but there was at some point they, they switched the word for conscience and this word around. You know, the, the, the translators were sort of messing around with it a bit. Cause, um, well, not translators, but the people copying. Um, so being accustomed to idols. In former times, in former times. In other words, this authority has come pre-Christian days. Mm. This authority yeah. is, is based on stuff before you were Christian. And if you eat this food as an idol sacrifice, and and it says, and their conscience, now, so now we are talking about conscience, mm -hmm. because it is weak, is defiled. In other words, it's weak because it's got too many, it's got conflicting authorities, which has weakened it. Mm. All right? Um, it, it's, it's like, it's like if, if it, it's, we all only have one personal trainer. All right? That's how it works. You don't have multiple personal trainers. But for the purpose of illustration, Imagine if I had 
um, if you had different personal trainers and you had two personal trainers, all right, and you're trying to do exercises and one of them is trying to build up upper body strength yeah. and the other one yeah. is just totally focused on... Um, on busy uh, like a weight loss, no, yeah, weight loss or something like that. Or they, or one's like building up body mass and strength, and one's just about diet and losing, right? Yeah. And so, hey, what are you doing there? Get that hand of your hand. Oh, get those, get those weights out. No, that's going to build too much. Get the weights yeah. out. Do you know what I mean? We're fighting. Conflict, we're we're giving, we're giving conflicting advice. That's my my personal trainer is weak mm. because I don't know what to do. Yeah. But it's loud. And it's upsetting me. And it tells me one moment to do this, next minute to do this. And oh, I don't know what to do. A, a, weak, a weak personal trainer in terms of giving. And, and really what it tends, up, tends to be is your personal trainer is almost schizophrenic. Mm. It's like one minute turning in this, next minute turning in this, next minute turning in this. And it's like, you're driving me crazy and I don't know what to do. And, I can, and it's a, I'm just going to stop. You will not stop. Pick an authority. <laughs> yeah. So weak is not... People think weak and quiet, but a, a, an agitated personal trainer actually is mm, loud yeah. and bothersome and annoying and un, it makes you, it's not very pleasant. But some of you are living with a, a personal trainer that's, it's, I don't, he's like, I don't know what to tell you. But each time he tells you, it's with authority because we shouldn't, we shouldn't eat food that's been offered to an idol because idols, they're terrible. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. But you've got freedom in Jesus. I don't know what I've got. <laughs> And so Paul says, okay, so because it is weak, okay, he's, he's, he's going, it, it's defiled. He's going to start to block it. He's going to start saying, no, I don't want to hear it. Mm. All right. Um, so then Paul begins to give them some instructions about, okay, food and things like that. But he's talking to you, okay, but if you've got a good personal trainer, be really careful now about dealing with someone who's got a conflicted personal trainer. Mm, yeah. Because if he doesn't have the revelation you have, but all he hears is concern about idols, but he's trying to please the Lord. This is not someone who's trying to make an excuse for yeah. doing, doing sinful things. He's trying They're to trying, please God. Yeah. They're trying to. And if I come along and say, stop listening to that voice, What's the danger? If I say stop listening to that voice, I'm trying to help you come mm. into my freedom. Yeah. But all I'm doing is killing your personal trainer's yeah. ability to help you. Yeah. So um, so let's just jump to verse 10. For someone for someone weak sees you who possess knowledge. Okay, you've got the revelation and you're dining in an idol's temple. You're eating food that's been offered, offered to sacrifice, you know, sacrifice to an idol, because it doesn't bother you. <laughs> it's dumb idols. Jesus has defeated them. Jesus is the Lord. I can eat that meat and I can glorify God. In fact, eating this meat is a strength to my faith because it's I'm doing this because of what Jesus has yeah. done. All right? This is not someone who can go and sit in an R-rated movie because they've been given freedom because you can't sit there and say this is glorifying to God. This is, what, this is why Jesus died on the cross so I could sit in this movie and watch this stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's not what he died for. Do you know what I mean? But, they, but eating this meat is what he died for. Mm. So I can have the freedom to do yeah. this because he's, he's overcome that. But this person who doesn't have the knowledge, he says, um, 
Will not his conscience be strengthened to eat food, to eat to offer to idols? Now, let's be, let's be aware here. Okay, when I say his conscience is strengthened, I'm saying, will not he be strengthened to tell his conscience to shut up? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Will he not be strengthened yeah. to say, shut up, conscience, and I'm going to eat this food too? Because yeah. I see you eating it. Well, I can eat it. You're doing it with a free conscience. They're doing it through a conflicted conscience. Mm. They're saying, well, shut up. Sick of all this noise. Shut up. Hey, he's, I'm getting strong like you. But the difference is he's told his to shut up. You've retrained yours. Yeah. Okay? He's still accustomed to idols, yeah. but now he's doing this. That's good. So, I like that. So by your knowledge, so your knowledge, what knowledge? The revelation you've had, the weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed because you've broken their ability to hear their conscience. Wow. And if you sin against your brother or sisters in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Because if you just use your boldness in what God has done for you to just get them to crush their conscience, you're destroying them because they need their conscience. Yeah. You're not doing it the right way. Yeah. You're just telling them to come on and do what I'm enjoying. Come enjoy the freedoms I'm enjoying without helping them to um, get a new authority that mm. trains it. Until they, get, that, yeah, yeah. until they get that revelation that that idol is nothing, that Jesus has won the victory, and that then they're not free to do that. Yeah. And so Paul sort of um, Paul says to me, you know what? For this reason... If food causes my brother or sister to sin, I will never eat meat again so that I may not cause one of them to sin. Now, what's he saying? I'm, never, I'm going to become a vegetarian. No, he's not talking about that. He's saying, um, hey, if this process kills their ability to have a, con a conscience, well, I'd rather, I'd rather not mm. eat the meat because I don't yeah. want to do that to you. I will, I will I'll limit myself for the moments I'm with you and then you say, oh, but should you? I'm, I'm doing it because I care more about you yeah. than about my freedom. That's good. All right? Now, I'm also not saying, well, I'm going to leave you like that. My, my aim is to teach you and train you and show mm. you the word. Yeah. That's why we do, you know, 10 plus weeks on what the covenant is and what it's all about. Why do I do this deep teaching? Why do I take time for you to legismize? Why do I teach you that you know, this is forgiveness is in the Bible? Why do we go, we, you know, we're going to build on this and work out that healing is in the covenant, that the, you know, provision is in the covenant, that God's goodness is in the covenant? Why do we do all that? Because I am giving you opportunity to retrain your conscience mm. so that when you enjoy these things and, and receive these things and press in for these things, your conscience isn't bothering you. Mm. I was talking to someone um, just yesterday um, who was very very um, upset and distressed because someone close to them um, has discovered they've got a, a very serious disease. But they've said, as a Christian, they've said, this God, before I was born, has determined when I'm born and when I will die. They have determined what diseases I'll have and what is, he said, I am submitting to the will of God in this thing. I am just living, so no one get upset. No one be unhappy about this disease because it's just God's way of doing whatever it is. And I'm just submitting to him, all right? And it's like, oh, when your conscience has been trained by what God has said, that, that doesn't. Yeah. Now, 
that person is trying to please God mm. through it. You know, they're, they're trying to please yeah. God. They have good intentions. They have good intentions. <laughs> they're trying to honor God, but they're doing it the wrong way. I can't just go out there and crush that. But what I can do is teach people what the word says, mm. and then people embrace the word, and then you say, you know what? I take the word above what yeah. I feel, what I've been taught, what my customs are, what my culture are, my 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 together ethos that I've developed through, mm. sometimes through the church. Yeah. Now, and sometimes it's not even bad. It's like Peter had got that through a Jewish legalistic structure, which God had put in place. But now God said through the new covenant, it's a new way of dealing with this. Yeah. All right. And so Peter needed to say that was that was actually okay, but this is actually who I really am. Mm. I need to come here without misgivings. I need to come here boldly. I need to come here without my con. And Peter said, you know, I could come here without my conscience doing backflips because you know what? I'm doing the right thing now. Yeah. My conscience is actually saying, hey, my conscience now says, okay, this is how it flips over. Um, Peter says, I don't think I'll go into it, that Gentile house because, you know, what would my Jewish friends say? Your conscience says, that's wrong. Mm. That's wrong. Now your conscience is doing the exact opposite. Yeah. It's saying, that's a wrong attitude. That's a wrong attitude. You should be going into that Gentile. Go into the Gentile house. Go and eat with them because yeah. that's what Jesus has done for you. When it's like a a revelation or a deeper revelation, that changes now how you live or what you do or what you say. So it's like everything is you don't you don't get a revelation, but then go back to the way no. that it was. No, because if you get the revelation, your conscience will actually become your ally yeah. to help you live according to that revelation. All right, if you train yourself to walking in obedience with the new revelation that God has given you your conscience will become your ally. Mm. It'll actually help you. Yeah. It'll show you when you're, you're, you know, when I'm feeling bad, it's, oh, it's not because I'm doing something that's wrong by the law. I'm now where my conscience will alert me when I'm moving away from the grace that God has given me mm. and the, the freedom he's given me. And then when I'm moving into a wrong way, and that will be if I'm using, if I'm misusing my freedom for my own sinfulness, or if I'm misusing my freedom by um, leaning into a legalistic arm of, of service to God and things like that, my conscience, that's not right. It helps me to stay on a narrow path. Without my conscience, it's a really hard job. Mm. But it's a much happier place to be than still having all these voices in. Because, you, know, um, you know, when I was growing up, you weren't allowed to do this as a Christian. You know what I mean? And you put that in quotation marks. I wasn't allowed to do that. Um, anyone um, who's watching and anyone here, if you want to give me some examples of things, you say, um, what about this? You know, because a lot of these, you know, I'm talking now for Christians who have been in the church a long time. Some of the, the, the um, sun, uh, um, sun uthios, the, the, the things we're accustomed to, our customs and cultures, what are some of the things that we've brought in that have trained us and then I would feel guilty about doing now? Mm. Um, and um, so, you know, so it might need, it might need, um, uh, we, we were probably just outside of the, ta um, the tail end of some st stuff that um, Pentecostal holiness was actually a, a form of holiness which was very rigid by Pentecostal people. So women did not wear makeup. Women did not cut their hair. That's why you see them all with long rolled up buns on the back of their head. 
You know, no, no, because they weren't allowed to get their hair cut because that was a sin. All right, and um, and so they they would um, um, so not wearing makeup and not you know, and and so, but those things weren't real issues in my day. They sort of, I'd sort of just stepped past it. They were they were sort of around, but I'd sort of they weren't. I'd sort of on the other side of it, mm. so I, they weren't battles I had to face. They were, you know, there was preachers back then, and people, you know, um, dyeing your hair blonde. Yeah, says um, Jordan Can Lewis. I say the, the the person that made that comment, Jordan Lewis, also <laughs> dyed his hair blonde. Dyed his hair blonde. Yeah. So, so the hip, there's hip, hypocritical yes. sort of you know, accusations. Still there. alive and well. Yeah. Um, so it took me off my thought. I was saying the blonde. No, no, no. It was, it was a comment, mate. Um, what was I saying about the the, the haircuts and stuff like that? Um, the makeup. On, oh, on and women. makeup. And and I remember a pastor being asked. He said, you know, like, um, should should women wear makeup or not? And it was like a loaded question. He goes, well, you know, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Um, <laughs> Jordan obviously hadn't heard that one. Um, is that new to you, Jay? Yeah, no, it's like just 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 do whatever. It is. Um, I needed to wear your best clothes and definitely not jeans. Okay, that's Karen. Um, yeah, sacred cows, as Peggy called Murphy called. You know the things that don't <laughs> touch these things. Yeah, that's a really good one, Karen. So I'm I'm assuming when is that when you go to church particularly or just um, or was it, I'm guessing it was a church thing. Yeah. Um, ripped jeans, says Jordan. Um, Jordan's attacking me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was, um, yeah. If you're going to see, you know, if you're going to church, you wear your, your Sunday best. Yeah, because you're reflecting your honor and respect for God. So that's good things. You know, mm. is it right? Do you know yeah. Right? And so now, so someone uh, like Karen, Karen, have you ever have you ever had this? Um, oh, women shouldn't speak in church. All right, well, listen, there's some things that we shouldn't, you know, squash too heavily, you know. Um, but can I just say something? Okay, there's lots, lots of thoughts coming here. Mm. I, I don't want to get too distracted. But, okay, sometimes we say, oh, that's ridiculous. Which ones do we throw out? Which ones do we get rid of? Yeah. Which ones do we squash? Because I, I like to wear jeans. I like to wear jeans with rips in it, says someone. You know what I mean? Um, so, but I'm just saying, is it, is it, that's why the danger is it cannot be just about what I like and don't like being told yes yeah. or no to. Because otherwise... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my wife is watching. I always said women are the best ministers, you know. I don't recall you saying that before. Before now, but I say oh, before it. now, okay. Um, so um, I just want to go back to Karen. Karen, um, if you wore jeans to church... I don't know if you do wear jeans to church. I haven't actually judged you on that or anything. If you wore jeans to church, do you still sort of have a thought in the back of your head that says, "This is not this is not what I, what Chris, a real Christian would do," or 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 like is it like a you smile even when I say I wouldn't have done this as a you know as a teenager or something like that? Do you still remember and have that? Or do you still? Hey, I'm, I'm not wearing jeans in church, even though you know I, that, that everyone else can, mm. but I'm not. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not actually putting you down for that because someone you would be doing that as for the Lord. Yeah, it's it's to honor God. Yeah, it's because you're trying to do the right thing. But I'm just actually trying to um, give. And and if you've got actual real real examples there, um, of things that because this is the danger because sometimes our young people have 
you know, when I say young people, even the older, younger people, um, we've got over something. That's actually not that bad after all. Yeah. But now there's no boundary to what is wrong. Yeah. And we've got, I've got pastors doing all sorts of stuff that I'm past in, in past days. Um, Jordan, freaking out the first time I wore a hat to church. All or, right. or if you wear um, a shorts or something. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have a dress code and we've got reasons for it. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Right. But I'm just saying, you know, what is a dress code and why is it irrelevant and, and what do we do and can we wear hats, you know? And we change this. Thing, so you can wear a hat to church now. No, no, no. We, we change the rule authority and things like that. But who makes that those rules and who who says those things and, and who lets you, you do get away with those things? Mm. Um, um, no, but if I was doing anything up the front, I wouldn't wear jeans so as not to offend anyone. Yeah, okay. So going to church, but still an awareness that there would be people still holding yeah. that as something. I don't like that. Yeah. You know, um, you know and I get that, so that you know? that's not destroying them. Yeah. So it's like being aware of them and, and how to do that, being, but not being controlled by that and not, and understanding what you're doing. I think one of the key things there is understand I am protecting your conscience. I am not being. Um, controlled by it. Mm, Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's good. I'm not letting you. And if there's a if there's a point where they become very judgmental and they say you can't do this and this and this, then you've got to work out how you work this and you know things like that. There's processes for that. And there's other, obviously, you know, Bible tr principles that work this. Um, but it is a very real thing, and you just got to you've got to work. You know, and I was saying an example. Um, I, I my. Um, um, Jordan says, uh, we'll, we'll do anything short of sin to reach the unsaved. Um, yeah, yeah, talking about, yeah, he's so like, yeah, but so so this is Craig Rochelle who says they, they would wear things like tracksuit pants yeah. when talking to the youth and when stuff. When like a youth or when they're like, they'd do lighting or I remember it was when they um started, oh, what's that, like that online world where you can buy like NFTs and stuff. What's it called? Um, like, that? like that, like. Online, like it was like not, it's not the app, but like, oh, the Bible. No, like the social media program where it's like you buy NFTs and stuff. There's like, what's that digital world? Bitcoin. No, like, um, no, I don't know. Like, there's like, like it's like um, a metaverse sort of thing, and they started streaming their church services within there. Right. And people were like, oh, why are you doing that? That's that's not how church is. And it was like, we'll do anything short of sin to um reach. Yeah. I thought it was a great example of like, like what you're saying, like finding how to cut out old authorities of religion while keeping in, it was like a good, it's often been a good way when I've tried to think through these things as like a good baseline of it. Like things like that with clothing. It's like, oh, if it's going to be a sin and I'm doing something something immoral, inappropriate, then that means it needs to stay out. Yeah. But if it's not, then it probably means it's a religion or something like that. That's right. And, and sort of being able to challenge those boundaries and work out why you don't do them and mm. why you do do them. Um, even when Paul, like he had that, he, had, he says, I do everything, you know, I become like this to, to win them. Yeah. You know, there's a, so, you know, I'm sorry, but like there's boundaries to that. These are things that are non-sin um, sort of level things. Yeah. But I, 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 I do things that, so I can connect with you, even though I might not be totally comfortable like with what you're doing there. You're, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Yeah. But you're still like doing like... You, there. <laughs> um, you know, an example I was going to use is, um, so things that, okay, th things that God's put on my heart, I've got, I'm, I'm sort of trying, I've got to make sure I'm working out, okay, these are things that have been revelations to me, and so they're dear to me, um, but I've got to work out sometimes whether they're just my revelation, 
or whether they're something that is, mm. you know, for everybody. Yeah. Um, guarding the things I speak and say, I think, is a biblical revelation. You know what I mean? That's my my concern for the things that come out my mouth were not um, based out of my desire or non-desire for the conscience. It was born out of the authority speaking to me and saying, um, the things you say, God puts particular emphasis on. Mm. And both, you know, it says you'll be judged for the words that you say. You will be, um, and the words that you say, that they, they're, they're you prophesying and speaking to the future, your words can undo the very good that God's wanting to do mm. in your life. So I had to learn to control the things I was saying and and and, and behave. And so part of that is God would, would work, and, and I'd work with my conscience. There's some things I just won't say. Now, they can be things about anti, you know, like I, um, I don't say, I, I I don't know what to do. Um, and people say, how can you not? That, that's just humility. No, what I say is, I don't know what to do, but I know that God has an answer. Mm. And I know that in Christ, his wisdom is in there and the Holy Spirit's going to help me. So I make declarations when I feel like I don't know what anything to do. I say, I know, there's a, I know I have an answer for this. And I'm just speaking. So I'm speaking. And for me, it would be wrong to say things that went, went against that. Yeah. And so that's my conscience helps yeah. me with that. And um, but not everyone's in that level of revelation, and so I can't sort of impose that. But there's other things about um, things that I, um, you know, the Bible says in in Ephesus, you know, be careful you know, about foolish talking and 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 things that are not right. And so I've noticed that um, there's a real um, so people probably prob probably what happens is people are really particular on this, and then they make it Pharisaical and legalistic, mm. and then people grow up and they say, oh, that's just a custom thing in the church. And so, you know, I can say things and I can use words that you didn't use mm. and that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, and there's words change over time and, and, and custom what's acceptable. But now I'm finding, I'm, you know, I'm hearing um, preachers swear, you know, like, and, and there's mid-level sort of level. But now I'm he hearing preachers use actually, you know, swear words or, or you know, hand signs and signals and stuff because they're cool. And, and I'm like, well, hang on a sec. <laughs> where where why is their conscience not bothering them yeah. now? Because I'm guessing they've learned that, oh, you know, I've got a freedom here. Yeah. But instead of being trained as to what is appropriate, mm. they're saying, you know, we, we were so dumb, we couldn't say, you know, tough sort of words and, and sort of street sort of yeah. words. And now I can, well, I said street words, now I can say any words. Mm. And so it's like, and if I, if, I take, if I say it about the Bible, and so it's like, oh, my, it's on my head, my head. I, how does this all work? You know what I mean? You, you know, using a cuss word and, you know, we should all beep and beep, you know, get the save loss. Your tongue you know, is the, the rudder. Save. Sorry? Your tongue yeah. is the rudder that you know, is a big shift. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I've, you know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, but I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, okay, let's all become back to the rules. Yeah. I'm saying, but this is, this is what happens if the conscience is not treated and trained. Mm. It doesn't become your ally. Yeah. All right, and it, and I don't want people walking under the condemnation of that because it's like, okay, hey, you you've got to get a revelation for this, and you walk according to what the revelation that you you've got. And there's some things I will not say, and I don't say, and I don't go around saying you shouldn't say that. But you know what I mean? They're, they're words that I will not use because my conscience bothers me. Bothers me. Now, sometimes it might be like, okay, I've, the world has changed, and this word is no longer considered bad. And there might be a point where God says, you know, in order to reach that people, you use that word. It's not bad anymore. I've, but I've got to have the authority mm. teach me that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've got to have. I've got to say this is a protein shake, not a milkshake. 
Well, I'm not so sure. God's got to say, let me explain. It's all right. But other times it's like I, I just live according to those things because I keep my conscience intact, but um, I'm, I'm not, I don't try and impose that on everybody. But I do impose the principle. Let the word, the authority, show you the right. And that will, the word will speak to you about what you are saying. Mm. It will speak to you about your words. If it's not speaking to you about your words, if you can say anything and never feel your conscience bothering you, that's not because you, you've got duct tape over your conscience. You're, you've got him bound. <laughs> you've got him in the corner. And he's like, rrr, 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 rrr. I can say anything I like and I don't mind, you know. No I, one's going to stop me. Yeah, I, I, I'm a feisty little thing and I can say what I like. And, you know, that says who I am in Jesus. Amen. And rrr, 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 rrr. That's not the truth. Um, you know, um, so I don't know if any other examples um, um, have come up with, with scroll. We've had quite a few comments um, gone through. Um, but let's just go back to the last part here. Um, so 8.12, their weak conscience... Um, you wound their weak conscience. Um, a conscience can be wounded. It can be damaged. Mm. All right? And it's when it's weak, weak means multiple authorities, and then it can become wounded through top-down behavior, trying to mm. shut it up. Yeah. All right? So we want to make sure we do not end up with a, a wounded conscience. Um Let me just finish with one thing. It's, um, it's sort of going a bit sideways, a bit different, a different. But let's just do it, and then we can see if we'll close this. Because um, go to Romans 2. This is just more to give you a picture. Cause this, so what I'm saying, I'm, I'm trying to show you how all the things I'm talking about, the conscience, actually have been shaped by Bible mm, teaching. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't actually gone to anything outside of what actually the Bible yeah. sort of talks about itself. Um, actually, I don't think we. Let's go back to Romans fourteen. We'll use that because this one doesn't actually use the word conscience, but it uses the concepts and the understanding. Um. Uh, let's go to this first one. Um, guess what he's speaking about? Those who are weak in faith over differing opinions. It's the same things mm. that he was talking about, but he doesn't name it exactly the same. And when weak in faith, I'm saying he's using this as a parallel way of talking about the weak conscience. Yeah. All right? So they're weak in faith means that they haven't trained their conscience mm. well. All right, and they do not. They have disputes, disputes, disputes over differing opinions. One person believes in eating everything, but the the weak person eats only vegetables. It doesn't say here, but I, I'm guessing it's the same issue. The the person who can eat everything is that can eat the meat that's been offered to a sacrifice. Because mm. one way does not one way to ensure you're not eating meat that's been offered to a sacrifice is to not, not eat, eat meat. meat. All right, so if you go to the market and you and you buy some meat. You don't know whether that meat's been offered or not. 
Um, so one way to stop that is to just buy only eat vegetables. So veg so weak people are vegetarians. That's what I get from that. Um, or source your own meat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, okay. So but you know some people can say, oh, a weak person is a veg vegetarian. No, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with the other issue. So the, studying it in Corinthians, I think, helps us to mm, come to this a little yeah. bit more clear. So verse three: the one who eats everything must not despise the one who does not. In other words, if you're free to eat meat. Don't look down who abstains. And you must not judge the one who... And the one who abstains, please don't judge the person who's eating everything. For God has accepted him. Okay, you've got to... These areas of conscience are not necessarily... It doesn't say you should accept sin. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's some issues here that are not sin issues. We've got to be... We're working together with them. Who are you to pass judgment on another servant? Okay, this is the key here. Before his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him to stand. In other words, Josh, ultimately this is not about your conscience. It's about Jesus. Mm. All right? It's not about your conscience. It's about Jesus. And I don't care whether your conscience gives you a pass, a tick, or a cross. Ultimately, Jesus is the one you're going to stand before. All right? And he will judge you on how you've trained and worked with your conscience. Mm. Not always the necessarily the choice that you made, yeah. but on why you made that choice and what you were trying to do. Okay, he, he is actually involved in the process. If you duct tape your conscience, he will be very upset with that. He will be more upset with that. Okay, um, this is why if we go to Romans, we can sort of see this, but do it here, the early Romans. Um, how can I say this? Um, okay, last example using. Eating meat was okay. God and Paul mm. obviously thought it's fine. But if your conscience is not properly retrained and you come and join me for a meal and you eat meat, but your conscience is doing backflips, you are doing the right thing, but God is not happy. Yeah, because of why. Because of why you are violating your conscience. And if you're willing to violate your conscience on this, yeah. are you willing to violate your conscience on yeah, other things that true, are yeah. wrong? So God is like, he looks at both of us eating meat and he looks past that to see what are we doing with our consciences. Now, if what he's, now what he's not looking for is, and this is what people think, I look below the level, I'm doing it with a without feeling guilty. You are doing it without feeling guilty. That is not the same thing. It depends whether your conscience is duct taped mm. or whether mine is retrained. Mm, yeah. We've both got non-guilty consciences, but how we got there can be different. And we are both doing the same thing. Mm. We are both doing the same action yeah. with the same feeling, but it's different. Mm. Because yours is a damaged conscience that you are not listening to, which means that outside of this, you've got no control. Mine is a healthy, good conscience, and that's what God is happy about. All right? So ultimately, Jesus is the one that will judge us for that. And we've got to stand before him. The one who observes the day does it for the Lord. Okay, now he's talking about a second issue. Okay, eating meat. Now it's another one. Should we follow... Um, um, 
feast days and things like that, the, the, the customs and the, of the Jewish. Should we do that? Should I, if there's a feast, should I follow that now? All right, all right well, um, should I go to church on a Sunday? Yes, says Sandy, of course, you know. Is it wrong to not go to church on a Sunday? You know, like if we say we're going to have church on a Monday, some people, that's just wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll get past that. If I, said, if, I said, if I said we're going to have church on a Saturday from now on, oh, that is just wrong. You know, Sunday is the Lord's Day. Sabbath. You know, and, and have, have you ever heard this? Sunday is the Lord's Sabbath. Um, if you're growing up, anyone who is watching, um, Sunday is the Lord's Sabbath. Did anyone ever hear that? Um, the, the guy who ran in the, um, the Chariots of Fire movie where the, the, the runner, Eric Little, he went to the Olympics and he was put in a race on Sunday. And he's like, I'm not running. I'm not going to run in that race on the Sunday because Sabbath, it's the Lord's Sabbath. Mm. Well, the funny thing is, sun, Sunday is not actually a Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath. Mm. The Jewish Sabbath is from Friday night through to Saturday night. That is the Sabbath. The Sunday is not a Sunday. Uh, it's a Sabbath. Sunday wasn't even a holiday for the early Christians. The, the weekend was six days starting on Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week, and it goes through to the sixth day, and then you rest on the seventh day, and that's the Sabbath. That's the Jewish Sabbath. And um, the Sunday was because Jesus rose again on the first day of the week, and so Christians started having a celebration, and they used to meet at dawn and early, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., for, for their church meeting because they had work to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it wasn't, an, and, and this, I don't, I haven't verified this, but my understanding is that um, one of the key people that brought this was, um, oh, who's the guy who started the Protestant movement? Um, Luther, Martin Luther, you know, he started to, he liked his Saturday nights and um, didn't like getting up Sunday morning. So he started to push the hours back <laughs> for the Sunday morning. And you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> We're now having church at 9 p.m. Yeah, 9, 10, 11, you know, let's, why, why keep it to 9? You know? so, but I'm just saying people called it the Sabbath, and it wasn't even the Sabbath. It's not even the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. And then, you know, Western civilization got hold of it, and then we made the weekend, you know. Mm. So and then Saturday became nothing except the day for football and, you know, doing the, the stuff, and Sunday's the, the, the holy day. And it's like, and so people wouldn't work on the Sunday. And then you have people say, hang on a sec, the Bible actually didn't say that. And so you have churches that champion that and churches like the Seventh-day Adventist, mm. which is they champion the fact that we should once again keep the seventh day. And so they go to church on the Saturday. Um, all, all those sorts of things. Uh, yeah. So Romans 14, 6, the one who observes the day does it for the Lord. The one who eats, eats for the Lord because he gives thanks to God. And the one who abstains from eating, abstains for the Lord. And he gives thanks to God. In other words, it's saying all four instances can be justified yeah. because God is looking below. Now, is God happy that someone is under the influence of idolatry and the fact that he's given, like, idols a strong in place? No, but he's happy with why they're doing it, mm. and he will work with that. Because if he can keep their conscience intact, yeah. he can retrain it like he did with Peter. But if their conscience is broken, I can't help yeah. you. Because even if wow. I give you a new authority, you won't listen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if I can keep That's the so if good. I keep it intact, I can retrain it. But if it's broken from the top, then I can't, God says I can't do with it. Mm. For none of us live for Himself, and none of us dies for Himself. And ultimately, it's Jesus yeah. who is doing this. That's so good. And now this is what I'm. This is this is not. Then you are free to do anything that con your conscience doesn't bother you with. 
Because if your conscience doesn't bother you, then you that's fine. It's not a pass. No, 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 not not if your conscience is yeah is dead and and well, not dead, but you know badly beat up. That's not what this is speaking about. If we live for the Lord, we, if we and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that He may be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But you who eat vegetables only, why do you judge your brother or sister? And you who eat everything, why do you despise your brother or sister? <laughs> For we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. Ultimately, it says, stop it. You're all arguing about the results. Ultimately, we all stand before God. And what we're going to be looking at here is, have I kept, am I doing this for God? Mm. Am I keep, have I got my conscience intact? Yeah. That's what I should be judging you. I shouldn't judge you whether you're doing the same thing as me. I should be saying, make sure your conscience is being trained appropriately. Mm. And if you feel at this time that not eating food offered to, that's been offered to an idol pleases God and glorifies God, I encourage you to still do that. But what I encourage you to do is keep reading the word of God mm. and keep going up and having prayer on the rooftop and see if God gives you a vision yeah. Yeah. and gives you a revelation. That's good. And changes the way you think, and then you'll be fine. But do not, do not, do not change because you see me doing it differently. Mm. All right? Now, I'm not talking about sin here. I'm not talking about things where, um, you know, I, I steal from the government. Wrong things. <laughs> you know, by, by cheating here. And you say, well, if you, if you do it and you're a pastor, why couldn't I do it? Do you know what I mean? Oh, we all do it. We're, we're, I'm wrong, and it doesn't matter about my conscience. It's got nothing to do with my mm, conscience now. I'm yeah. just wrong. Now we can go to Romans chapter 2. Um, this will fit in and we'll finish with this. But this will show you your conscience isn't the final guide and it's not relied on me. Ultimately, we, 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 we're going to be judged by Jesus. And Jesus is looking at us now judging us, not just on what we're doing, but how we got there. Mm. And it's really important to, yeah. to do that. Romans chapter 2. Verse, um, oh, it's 12, 12 or 13, not sure. I'm in 12, that's not helpful. I need Romans 2. That did not make sense at all. Um, so for everyone who sinned apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. All right. Paul's talking about people who have been brought up with no authority from the law and people who have been brought up with an authority from the law. And our consciences have both been trained. Mm. How does that work? How do we, you know, how does it? Um, he says, you know what? It is not those who hear the law who are righteous before God, but those who do the law will be declared righteous. For whenever the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, these who do not have the law are a law to themselves. I'm like, what is in the world is it speaking? Even though you've got the wrong authorities, and it's your culture, it's your traditions, it's the beliefs in Every now and again, it will teach you a way of living that those who have the law will, will have the same way of living, 
All right, so your law, your culture says you should not murder. You've never heard of the word of God. You've gone into the deepest part of the jungle. You've come across a tribe of no outside influence, but they have a rule that says we should not murder. Mm. And if they murder someone, they feel bad because that's their, that's their, 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 that's, that's their, that's their rule mm. and that's what they feel. Yep. I have grown up as a Christian. I've got the word of God and it tells me do not murder and I do not murder. And if I murder, I feel bad. We both feel bad. You don't have any law. I do have the law. But we've just happened to stumble on the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, we just... So they show that the work of the law is written in their hearts. In other words, hey, they don't have the law, but the same words are yeah. it's still working in there. As their conscience bears witness... And their conflicting thoughts accuse or else defend them. Um, in other words, their conscience is still working. And it does what? It's, it's um, conflicting, either saying right or wrong. Their conscience still works. And um, um, on the day when God will judge the secrets of human hearts according to my gospel through Jesus, Christ Jesus. Um, I used to think that God would then judge everybody just by what's happening in their conscience. So if, even if you didn't have anything, if you just felt right in your conscience, mm -hmm. he would not judge you, all right? No, he's not saying that because, you know, you could murder people because the, in your conscience to cheat and to kill is not, you know, and there's, 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 there are cultures where they, 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 they'll, they'll kill a, a child without a, a second thought because it's just like, you know, they don't put any value on it and it's just, you know, they don't feel bad because that's what we do. Oh, how could you not do that? You know, um, don't get me on killing unborn children and not having a conscience. Um, but um, he said, "But no, no, that's not what he's, he's just saying." Every he said, "You know what? Every now and again, they stumble on the same stuff that we get by the law, yeah. mm. and and their conscience is still working." Verse seventeen. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast of your relationship to God, and know his will, and, um, and prove the superior things because you receive instruction from the law, and if you are convinced that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an educator of the senseless, a teacher of little children, because you have the law, the essential features of knowledge and of the truth, therefore, you who teach someone else, do you not teach yourself you who preach against stealing, do you steal? That's what he's talking about. You who tell others not to commit adultery, do you not do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob temples? Like, what is what is Paul something? What has he gone on about? You know, and a little bit like um, what he's saying is, you know, the funny thing is, these Gentiles who don't have the law, but they have a conscience that tells them don't do something, and they don't do it. Yeah. You, who have the law, and your conscience is perfectly trained. It's got all the right information. You have, you know, you, you, you've got the, the law back then was the ultimate authority. You are miles ahead of any Gentile. He just has to stumble into it. Mm. Maybe he gets it right. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't. But you, you've got it all right. And he said, you 
sit up here and you sneer at your Gentile companion and say, you've only got a little bit of the law, right? Your, your conscience is only a little bit trained. Me, I am highly trained. Look at my conscience. I've got the best conscience in the world. But then if I'm not listening to my conscience, mm. if I am yeah. just living and doing whatever I want and I'm arrogant and I'm proud and I'm, it's like, what good is that? Mm. What good is that? What good is to have the most highly trained conscience but not to be following it through in any way, yeah. to be living it? Um, he said, um, so that, that's my understanding. Um, so people's conscience can be helpful, and by instinct they can just get it right. Mm. And a non-Christian can sometimes have a better conscience than a, a, someone who's been even in church. Mm. And, and yeah. you know, they, they can, there's, there's some people, I, 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 you know, I've known some really good non-Christian people. Really nice morals. Yeah. And really they follow their morals. Mm. And I've known some really lousy Christians <laughs> who have all the right training but have managed to live terrible lives and do terrible things. And it's like, well, who's right? Well, well done. Or at least, you know, it's just terrible. But well done to the non-Christian to yeah. at least doing it right. Yeah. That's the right process. That's right. That's the right thing. But it doesn't mean that a non-Christian then is free just to live according to their conscience because their conscience is, un is unreliable mm. and it doesn't get it all right. It doesn't get you to heaven because your conscience is ultimately, ultimately, Jesus is our judge. Yeah. And we've got to come to that. That's and um, so... That's how I, I just those scriptures sort of help to give a little bit of framework for mm. how the conscience works. Yeah, I love that. Um, saying it from different ways. Bottom line um, is your conscience must be your um, ally. Don't don't mm. don't settle for a conscience that is quiet or noisy in terms of or quiet you know, or just. A, I don't want a conscience that is just at me all the time, yeah. making me feel guilty. Um, that's not what it's really designed for. It's not, it's not designed to do that. That's an, an evil conscience. It's making me just aware of my sinfulness, mm. aware of my failures, aware. It should be, my conscience should be constantly feeding me according to what the new covenant has given me yeah, and good. my forgiveness in Jesus. So if you are constantly feeling guilty or condemned, then you need to not shut that down but go and say, conscience, I'm training you. This is how I should feel. How would I do that? I would spend time in worship to the Lord. I would praise him. I would just do things mm. and I would help my conscience. Now, not, I'm not trying to appease my conscience. See, I'm doing good yeah. things. and I'm saying, no, I'm retraining. This is what it feels like. And I would meditate on those scriptures mm. and things like that. And, and that's something that you'd have to keep like reinforcing yeah. as well. And, okay, here, here's something. I don't know. Maybe this would help you. Um, I would train my conscience. Um, oh, how can I put this? When I'm doing something that's non-religious or that my conscience used to say, unless I'm doing like reading the Bible, going to church, okay, do something. Um, go for a walk. 
go for a walk and just um, just enjoy being forgiven. All right? Mm. Just, just tell your conscience, I'm just going for a walk and I'm just, just going to enjoy God's forgiveness. If you're sort of, oh, you should be, no, hang on, just let meditate on the scriptures and then say, let's just, let's just feel this for a while. Mm. Let, me, let me enjoy conscience. How does it feel? And if your conscience isn't able to give you peace, you go back and retrain it. Mm. But, you know, I would do things on purpose. That's good. To say, hey, just, you know, good, just yeah. reinforce this. This is what, um, Be watchful if your conscience is giving you bad um, feedback or, or bad instruction um, in the sense of just be picky. Say, ah, oh, that, that's actually a little, that's, that's the law you're, um, you know. Um, you know, do you do something like, I'm going to wear jeans to church on Sunday? Uh, <laughs> not if it's going to get in the face and not if you're trying to squash your conscience. Um, what you want is you say, God, can you, um, can you actually give me a, an indication of your pleasure for me to do this, please? Mm. Okay, that's I, good. I, you know, just um, um, okay. I, I, this is like a personal example. What's that? Sorry. No. Um, let's say um. Okay, I've got, um, I've got a Bible Academy coming up in the next day or so. Like, so this has to be like Wednesday, not today. Because you get okay, you get it. Okay, a couple of days ago, and uh, should really prepare. Should really you know, do mm. the right thing, and I and I love to prepare and all that. Um, but. That compulsion to prepare can can be through hunger and a desire, or it can be a fear, a fear of not being prepared, yeah, a fear of not being able to teach well, uh, pride. I just want I want to look good in front of people, mm -hmm. so I should I should need to study. Do you know what I mean? I'm old. Um, and there's a point where it's, oh, I wouldn't mind just relaxing or doing something which is. But now my conscience is like, no, 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 you should, um, you know, you should be. So if I go and relax, my conscience is giving me a hard time. Mm. So I'm not relaxing. So I'm not actually, I'm physically relaxing, but my soul's not at peace. Because mm. it's like, you should be doing this, and I'm not. And so I'm like, oh. in that space, I say, Lord, can you give me a freedom? Um, because you actually ultimately know. Now, I'm not, I'm not so I'm, I'm pulling past my conscience, I'm actually going to the Lord on purpose. Not what my conscience feels. Because I know what my conscience I know what my conscience feels. My conscience is saying I ought to do this. Mm. But I'm saying, Lord, what should I can I ask you? And I've had the Lord say, just go and rest. I've got you covered. All right? I've got you. I've got you. Okay. And therefore, oh thank you, Lord. All right. So I can go and rest. And whenever my conscience says you should be staying, I say, oh, God's got it. I'll be fine. I like that. Okay, and and I I, I try I just train my conscience because the, the ultimate authority is it's okay in this situation. Mm. I don't need, and I so therefore I can go and do something like I can just read a book or you know just stop and do something I you know enjoy, and not have my conscience bothered mm. because I've just that's, I've just but I've had to stop, and do it. Without just squashing that. Yeah, and but two things happen. First of all, that's 
dam damaging because it could be sometimes God's like, you could rest, he said, but I actually would love to show you something. Mm. <laughs> I actually would love to show you. There's something I would really like to show yeah. you. Hey, I, we'll cover this. You know, you'll be fine and you'll preach well you know, and do everything, but I'd, um, would, you like, would you like me to show you something? Mm. There's something I've been, you know, and you know that little uh, on the back of the bottom of your spirit? Yeah. Just give me some time and I'll show you something. Mm. Okay. I'm not resting. <laughs> I want to do this now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's not. I, I, I've retrained my conscience from a legalistic you ought mm, to. I like that. That's to uh, the Holy Spirit's just you know, in this. So when I'm not when I'm resting, I'm still in faith. My faith is still active. Mm. I'm energized. That's why um, weak faith, weak conscience. Paul uses the same term to mean you know, the same sort of thing. Um, it's uh, okay. Um, so that so I, that's what I do. Um, any questions? I, I don't. Um, we got Richard watching us. Um, just Hello. live by what feels right, and then use that to justify their way of life. Yeah, just live by what feels right. Um, Jay, what's the name of that sermon you you said um, you want to preach sometime? Um, and this way, follow follow you. Yeah, follow your heart. Another sure way. Five ways to end up in prison. Yeah, um, following your heart. That's why I like, do we follow our heart or not? Yes, no, I don't know. I get confused. Yeah, follow your heart. Don't be bound by religion. Don't be bound by your past. Don't mm. be bound. Follow your heart. Only when it happens to match up with the word. Yeah. And that's why when it's a non-Christian, every now and again, it does match up. Yeah. Good, but you can't rely on that. And for a Christian, I've got to train it so that it, it my heart is what yeah. I, yeah, I This is not about following my feelings. Um, this is one of the key things. Conscience is not about what I do or do not like. It's about what the word says and what the word says about me becomes my authority mm. and what the spirit speaks into that. Yeah. This is Jay. Yep. That's so good what you're saying there. And going back to what you said about like you've seen people, like non-Christians living a good life. And it's like so much of it comes back to what you talked about last week and talked about a bit about this week with the authority. And it's like, Non-Christians, if they've had good authority and good, a lot of like, there's a lot of non-Christians who maybe they've grown up in Christian circles or at least uh, religious circles sort of yeah. thing. Even if they're not Christians, they're living under, they've had the same, that Christian authority or the culture they've lived in. Maybe like, I think particularly like often in America and stuff, like a lot of the West, like um, a lot of like the Southern states yeah. and stuff, you have a lot of, it's, been the tradition for decades, years yeah. and years and years, people go to church and stuff. So those traditions are what their authority. So they're still living under a good conscience. You're still living under a culture of respect. You're living under authorities of respect and hard work and these good things that yeah. are biblical. But it's like, unless you can know what that authority is, that I think that's where I see so much of like people I know and like in my circles really struggle is that those authorities are starting to, I think society is starting to question those authorities yeah. a lot more. And unless you can have the Bible that you can go back to that you know is truth, yeah. it's like if you don't have something you can guarantee is truth, if you start to question the authorities of tradition yeah. and you try and find them yourself. But if I like I have a friend who I really respect, has a great conscience, does a lot of good things, but he has a phrase where he's like, everyone's truth is relative. Yeah. And, like, and everyone has their own truth and you have to find that his have come pretty well and he's got good things. But if truth is relative, eventually this yeah. will fall apart. You need to know what that basic 
truth is and let that be the final authority in this. Exactly. Okay, look, that the scripture needs to become, you go back, um, uh, Romans 14.10, for the last part, we all stand, we will, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Ultimately, this whole thing works under the fact that Jesus mm. is working that. Yeah. Um, okay, this is what, what's happening in society. We have those, we're taught in our society at the moment, this is the zeitgeist, is push back against the cultural um, things that have been put there over us. Because, um, okay, in that, in that tradition and culture, it hid some nasty stuff. Mm. So there was racism. There was, you know, being, being a bigot. There was being abusive. You know, the church says, follow the church. And then we find out inside the church, there's abusive priests. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's, you know, um, we say, you know, like, like Jay, you know, the South, the South that had such good Christian values and strong go to church also had slavery. Mm. All right. So what they're told is push back against these things because hidden in these things are some terrible things. Yeah. So you need to, we need to go to children, children, because they're un, they're, they're closer to purity. They're not, they're not, they're not, um, they haven't been sullied. They care for our environment. They, they, they love everybody equally. They're, these kids are just pure. They, they, they don't care about your sexuality. Mm. These kids. So we need to push back and kids now are the ones that can, expose the wrong things in our traditions, all right? And there's, there's maybe truth there. You know, young people rise up and say, we will not have, you know, um, our government is, is um, corrupt and it's built on a system of, of oppression against certain people. And so the young people often rise mm. up and out of that, you know, and that, that's, that's good. That's mm. a good revolution. We all applaud that. But the danger is you take that whole process and you lose it outside of, yeah. oh, hang on a second, ultimately we've got to have God is our judge, yeah. Jesus is going to bring our That's judgment. Um, otherwise, you just start pulling down everything and you don't know what you're building with. And to be honest, um, getting children and young people to reset the rules, not always the brightest thing. There's a reason why there's, you know, after, you know, 40, 50 years, you've got a bit of wisdom on the world and you realize some of the stuff I thought when I was a teenager doesn't actually work. Yeah. So the danger is them putting is they don't even have the voice of experience. Yeah. But you sort of, but, but we are, um, we are enamored, fix, fixated with young people who can see purity and we are as if, or, or we can see certain, um, certain people in the world. We say, we'll go to them because they've got, you know, They've got wisdom. Where do we go? You need to make sure. This is why without the word of God providing a foundation and mm. Jesus and his judgment, this whole thing falls apart. Mm. All right. So, yes, we do need to challenge. And I, I encourage, I encourage our, I've encouraged our kids, our young people, the young adults in our church. I tell them, pull apart all the traditions of our church and other churches. But not just pull it apart. You've got to be hungry and searching for the yeah. the truth that's that's guiding us, like and and trim off the trim off the traditions and strengthen the foundations. Mm. Because at, at the moment, what some people all they do is they trim off the traditions, and they've got no and it's just getting weaker and weaker. Mm. Um, talk for a second, Josh. There's a question here. 
Well, I'll just read it out. I'll trust it's a good question, Brooke. Um, you know how sometimes in everyday life you just feel guilty, guilty about resting instead of working, being productive, or guilty about buying something instead of giving it to the poor? Would you say that's, similar, that's a similar issue, like your conscience is having the wrong goal input? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That guilt that you're feeling is your conscience speaking to you that has been trained up somewhat, but it's got a little bit skew with. It's saying helping the poor, um, doing good, is you know, how can you say anything against those things? Um, but it hasn't, it, hasn't, it hasn't also been trained up to say how we are accepted in Christ and how we're free in him. Mm. And this is a question, you know, and I heard Keith Moore answer this question. Um, is, it, is, is, there ever too much, is it ever too much reading the Bible? And I was like, no, you can't read the Bible too much. Of course, there, actually, there is an answer. Yes, there is too much reading the Bible. What do you mean there's too much? Well, can I, and I, can I just say something? Um, when, when Moses was praying at one time, God said, stop praying and get out there and lead them across the river. <laughs> Enough of this. You actually need to go and do it. Yeah. And sometimes God's like, um, God, God has told me um, one time, stop reading your Bible, go down and do this. Mm. You know, go, stop reading your Bible and go and do this. God has told me that. Oh, why? Because, um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 a freedom in the spirit, and 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 I'm not under I'm I don't um, I actually don't read I don't have any have set times for reading the Bible in terms of how long or length. I, I generally read until I feel the Holy Spirit's mm. I'm full. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's good. Um, you know, and and um, you know, I'm not against having a reading plan or anything like that. I'm not. Just, I'm just saying, but that. Um, I've had times where God says, get up, close the Bible, go and do this for your wife. Like, oh, yeah, it's more important you do this at the moment. And that's not because there was anything happening or wrong. It was just, I'm like, thank you, God. I didn't even know this was a thing. And God's gone by the alerting of the Spirit. Um, but yeah, that, that voice of your conscience that is not able to rest, not able to use your funds in a way that's not helping the poor or anything like that, that's um, that's when it's it's starting to get the wrong mm. thing feeding into it, and um, yeah, so just you just meditate on, and, and it sounds terrible, doesn't it? Like, oh, you know, I, I I'm telling you to to buy a coffee instead of helping a homeless person. <laughs> what a jerk am I? You know, sort of, you know, it, um, and um, can okay, this is something, a brook. I'll just just give you this, um, God can see everything terrible that's happening on the earth at this moment. And there's times in the Bible where he's angry. He's pressing out the grapes of wrath in his anger. You know, like he's bringing judgment. He's mad. He says to the church, you know, you make me want to vomit. You know, you know like, so I'm not saying he's just all in happy space. But he can also, he's not an angry God. Mm. He can be happy yeah. for the joy set before him. There's, there's a scripture, I think, in Zephaniah or Zechariah where it talks about God dancing, the dance of joy. There's a part where you know, Jesus was happy. Do you know what I mean? Um, <coughs> um, God was able to live in this world, or, or, or God, God can deal with this world 
and not just be consumed with all the things that are going wrong. And um, sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, we, we need to, to lean in and just be in the peace that he's in, in the midst of that. Yeah, and you don't, we don't have to be doing it all. We don't have to be giving it all. You know, we don't, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's, um, there's an acceptable level for the yeah. Lord, what he says. And yeah. just relax in that. Doing it in a rest. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's where I would lean in, Brooke. I would lean and actually ask the Holy Spirit on purpose. Holy Spirit, are you trying to tell me I should yeah. be giving this? And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 it's just your conscience. <laughs> You're all right, fine. He said, that, you don't need to do that. Just enjoy my goodness. Ah, so then I can train my conscience. That's all right. And I, I enjoy this moment. Um, yeah. I'm going to, um, these are great comments. I'm just aware. We've put, hit 11 o'clock. I think the first time I've ever used my whole two hours. <laughs> so um, I was wanting to finish at, 11, at 10.59, so I could always say, I never used two hours, but we have used two hours. There's some great comments there. Um, yeah, disagreeing, submission, da -da, and strife, all these things. Yeah. Um, do you think that a weak religion trade conscience can be recognized by it pushing you to live a mistake-free life? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, that's the mistake. That, that's, that's, that's the old If your conscience feels really good because you never messed up, it's feeling good for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I don't feel good because I've never messed up, messed up. I feel good because of what Jesus has mm, done for me. Amen. And through that, I never mess up um, if I can. All right. Um, I will leave it there. There's some great questions, and um, I'll get drawn in. But thank you so much for joining with us. Um, if this is your first time, if you didn't get watch last week, go back. And in fact, if the first time, go back and watch the whole series on Covenant there, because it's there, a, it's built to this point. There is a lot of uh, like like this. This is our second topic, and we've done a lot of uh, sessions on this, and so there's a lot to go back and yeah. to unpack, and it's good. Yeah, so, yeah. Enjoy um, and put comments in here if you're watching on our YouTube. Now we, we've got this is going live on YouTube as well as on. Um, um, on Facebook, um, put some comments there, uh, mm. you know, and, and let me know that it's helped you. Even if it's not live, I'll, I'll go back and look yeah. at the comments later on during the week, and, and I can respond. If you've got any questions, you can put them in there, and we'll still, I'll um, so work. Thank you for everyone who's joined us online. Thank you for Josh and Jay and and um, Sandy who was here, and everybody, the regulars that are online and yeah. those that have joined us. That's amazing. We really great, appreciate it's a, it. It's a good little family that are yeah. of, of working together. It, it, it's so good when it's like. You know, people that have been along the journey with you and, and they're getting, as, as you're teaching, and they're getting the revelation and yeah. their, their thoughts are flowing. It's awesome. And I enjoy it because I'm actually, uh, some of these things I don't actually see until I'm teaching right now. It's, uh, they've just been working together, coming together, and so it's exciting for, for that, which means that you're drawing it out of me. You're, you know, you're, you're, your hunger is really working. Well, God bless you, everybody. Have a, a great, good, healthy conscience week. God bless you. Be blessed.